This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Radio. I'm excited today because we are going to have an interview with Michael Bungay-Stainer, who's going to talk to us about coaching and specifically coaching uh, to help create an amazing customer service culture with your employees. There's some great information in this interview, but first, I want to give you a little lesson and talk about a story, and actually it's based on an article that I wrote not that long ago for my uh, weekly blog. And by the way, if you are not subscribing to that, here is a shameless plug. Um, it's called, uh, well, you can just go to customerservicearticles.com where you will be able to subscribe to The Shepherd Letter. And once a week, I send out a short article about customer service with a tip, and you can use it to share with your friends, your colleagues, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, I was engaged on an online conversation with one of our subscribers, and he shared an observation about customer service. And he noted that even when a company takes care of every request, if the response is lacking in personality, it may not be perceived as good service. So even though somebody does what you ask them to do, um, if they don't have a positive attitude, an enthusiastic attitude, it's not going to be perceived as good service. Obviously, if they roll their eyes as they walk away from you, that wouldn't be perceived as good service. So I told him this concept that he's talking about reminded me of an article that I wrote years ago called Stepford Service. So it's based on the the movie, uh, and actually the original uh, wasn't a movie, it was a novel, and I'll give you a little history on it, 1972, a novel by Ira Levin titled The Stepford Wives. Perhaps you've heard of The Stepford Wives. It became a movie in 1975 with a terrible remake. That's at least my critical opinion, in 2004. The movie was set in the fictional town of Stepford, Connecticut, where the women were basically brainwashed into mindless, zombie-like what they called perfect wives, although I wouldn't call that perfect. I'd call that pretty boring and almost senseless. But these wives live to cook, clean, and take care of their husbands like nobody's ever taken care of them. A new couple comes to town, and the wife senses that there's something seriously wrong with these people as she observes uh, the, the, the mindless type uh, responses that these women have to her husband. And she is determined to find out exactly what's going on, and she wants to make things right. So you have to watch the movie to see how it, it turns out. I'm not going to be the spoiler. But I mentioned the movie not because it's a favorite movie. As a matter of fact, uh, it's okay. It was interesting, but just wanted to make this point. In the movie, the wives were subservient and mindless to whatever was asked of them. You know, you might think that if this happened in business, it would be the perfect customer ex uh, service experience. People would just do what you ask them to do. The answer would always be yes, and the customers would for sure love to hear every single time, I'll take care of that for you right away. 
Well, the I'll take care of you response is void of personality, at least in this particular case. And in other words, it's a zombie-like, mindless, even robotic type of response. And you might appreciate that the request that you're asking for is fulfilled, but still not impressed with the customer service. So the point is that customer service is more than just saying yes. It's more than doing what the customer expects. It's taking care of the customer with some personality. And the personality traits of a customer-focused individual might include caring and empathy, sincerity. Sincerity is huge. Cheerfulness, positivity, and much more. And remember, this isn't just about the front line. Everyone has a customer. It could be an internal customer, someone you work with, somebody that depends on you internally, or it can be an external customer, the actual customer or client or guest or member, whatever you want to call them, that pays you and your organization for its goods and for the goods and services that you provide. So how much personality does it really take to move from Stepford-level service to something a little bit better, something that's appreciated by the customer. Well, the customer needs to get some sense of enthusiasm and caring, even if it's just a slight demonstration of the customer-focused traits that I just mentioned. Uh, And the idea is to not just go through motions. And that may be all that you need, just to have a little bit of a positive attitude. And obviously, the best people have great personalities. The best customer service reps have empathy, sympathy, caring, and it shows through. And they really are great at listening, and there's all the great techniques. But overall, even if you just went through those techniques, void of all personality, I'm not saying that it's a bad experience, but it may be one that's just average, satisfactory, nothing exceptional. So the point is this, great customer service doesn't mean saying yes to every request. It's more than that. It's the personality that you put into the experience. All right, so that's a little short lesson today. Now let's get into an interview that we're going to have with Michael coming up in just a moment. We're going to take a really short break, and when we come back, you're going to learn all about how to be an amazing coach for customer service. Chef Heiken here on Amazing Business Radio. I love a good book, and Donna Cutting's new book, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet, is a great one. The passion that Donna has for customer service is evident as you read this book. She shares how she treats her customers like they're celebrities and gives you 501 ways that you can do the same. So if you want to create raving fans, check out Donna Cutting's new book on Amazon.com, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and now I want to introduce you to Michael Bungay-Stanier, who uh, is from Australia, but I think he's here. He's here in the U.S. or in Canada? I'm in Canada. You're in Canada. You're costing me a fortune. Oh my long no, I'm just you're, you're so worth it. However much you're paying, this, it's a bargain. Yeah, this is going to be the best interview we've had all week. Okay, I will rise to that challenge. And for for Bring those, yeah, and it's a weekly show, so uh, this is great. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about Michael. He's a recognized expert in coaching, and he teaches how to engage and retain employees, which is really important. 
And this is the most important thing. It, it, you know, we're all about customer service and customer experience, and we're going to talk about coaching for that great experience. Uh, and by the way, whether you're a manager of a support center or managing a team of customer people, support people, or you're a manager of any part of the organization, uh, Michael's new book, The Coaching Habit, uh, is really an outstanding book that you should take a look at. It's, it's really excellent. Available everywhere in the world, especially on Amazon.com. So, Michael, welcome to the show. I'm really happy to be here all the way from Canada via Australia. So let's kick on with it. So, you know, and by the way, you have a great accolade here that you are the first Canadian coach of the year. And I don't know who <laughs> gave that to you, but that's a cool award to have, which is pretty cool considering that your accent, you don't say A at the end of every <laughs> exactly. sentence. It was the same year that I got, I got awarded that. Um, a Canadian who'd moved to Australia won a gold medal for the Winter Olympics for Australia. And so there's a, I just thought it was always disgruntled Canadians going, these damn Australians are stealing our thunder left, right, and center. Wow, I think it's pretty cool. And uh, by the way, I'm a huge hockey fan. And I don't know if from mm-hmm. they, they play much hockey in Australia, but when you get up to uh, Canada, that's a and so a bunch of my buddies who I play hockey with uh, are from up there and I come home at the end of uh, a game or hanging out with these guys for a weekend and my wife says what do you think you're Canadian because I, I pick up the accent and occasionally <laughs> I drop the a at the end you know how are you eh? you know yeah, and that's perfect it's just you know and by the way that's so friendly and uh, so anyway let's get right into this uh, where do we start? Let's talk about coaching and what's so important about coaching. And what is the difference, if you can tell me, between coaching and just straight managing people, especially as it yeah. applies to customer service? Look, it's really a great question and a great place to start because the key thing to know about it when you're thinking about managing yourself or managing a team of customer service agents, perhaps, is there's not just one style of leadership. We often think, you know, this is the way you be a leader. But way back in the year 2000, a guy called Daniel Goleman, he got trying to popularize the whole idea of emotional intelligence. He wrote this great article in Harvard Business Review. He said, look, this is called Leadership That Gets Results. There are six styles of leadership, and each one is appropriate at a certain time. So sometimes it's really appropriate to be kind of democratic, and sometimes it's appropriate to tell people what to do. Coaching was one of those leadership styles, and it was the least utilized of all of those leadership styles. So here's how I think about what coaching is. It's a way of staying curious just a little bit longer and moving to advice giving just a little bit more slowly. And when you do that, what you're trying to create is a three-part impact in somebody. First of all, you want to give them a new insight about themselves or about the situation. So it helps them learn new insight about themselves or the situation. Secondly, you need to spark action. You want them to do something differently. And thirdly, and the outcome you want is to increase impact. So insight leads to action, leads to impact, which hopefully feeds back and generates new insight. And that's the essence of what coaching is, helping people learn rather than you having to teach them. So let's say that I am um, on the front line. I had an experience with a customer. Uh, It was a difficult experience. Uh, Perhaps, uh, you know, I just couldn't resolve their issue. They're angry. They're still angry. Um, I'm frustrated. I thought I did everything I could. You're my manager. What are you going to do for me? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, we work in call centers all the time with our programs, and the temptation, of course, is as the manager is to go, okay, I listened in on the call. Let me tell you about what, what you did wrong so you can do better next time. 
And that's okay, and sometimes that's the appropriate response. But here's the thing you need to know. Giving advice doesn't work that well. Most people don't hear it. Most people don't listen to it. Most people don't follow it. So it's much more powerful to help people figure this out themselves. So I would start asking a few good questions. And in the book that you talked about, The Coaching Habit, there are just seven essential questions. And where I might go to is I might go to the focus question. Where I go, okay, you've just come off a tough call. Let me ask you this. What, what was the real challenge there for you? And what that does, that focusing question, gets them to start reflecting on the experience. Now, notice how I phrased the question, Chef. It's not what, what was the challenge, because they'll give you a kind of more generic answer there. You could ask what's the real challenge, and that's interesting because that provides a bit more focus. But when you ask them what's the real challenge here for you, what you do is you take the spotlight and you swing it away from like the customer at the end of the phone to the person the customer service rep who was dealing with that customer. So it becomes a more personal reflection and it becomes a more powerful learning moment for that person. So I, I, I always believe that, that asking questions is a big part of coaching. That's what I've learned over the years uh, from sure. my friends that are in this business. It, would it be appropriate to say, okay, so now we, we ask that perfect opening question. Would it yeah. be all right to ask a question like, well, what made you feel uncomfortable? Was yeah. there a time that you felt that you were uncomfortable, a time you felt out of control, a time you felt you didn't have the information you needed? Right. Um, and by the way, this, this person, I mean, I, I guess what I'm worried about is interrogating one of my employees. Yeah, for sure. So there's a couple of things going on there. And certainly the way you ask a question and the way you move into it can make a real difference as to whether it's effective or not. Because we've all experienced that sense of, like a drive-by shooting slash questioning. And it feels like you're being interrogated because the person's trying to get you to see a point or trying to kind of almost punish you as opposed to being on your side. You know, when you sit down and you ask people, look, reflect on a time when you were well coached and tell me what those coaches did to make it so effective for you, you always get the same list. They asked more questions, they gave less advice, I felt that they were on my side, you know, that they had my back, that they were trying to help. Um, they gave me the support and encouragement when I needed support and encouragement. They gave me a push. You know, they said, you know, take a leap because I've got your back. You're going to be fine when I needed to be given that push to kind of take them to the next level. So there's a big part of it is that whatever the question is that you ask, how you ask it makes a real difference. You actually want to be, you want to care about the answer. Right. You actually want to be asking it in service of the person you're asking the question to. You actually want to listen to the answer rather than doing that kind of fake active listening that we can all master. You know, that's when you tip your head to the side and you look kind of concerned yet interested and you make small kind of grunting noises. But actually in your head you're going, when will they hurry <laughs> up or what's my next question or wait, I think I know I want to tell them to do, so I'll just wait for them to stop talking. It's like, no, don't do that. Bring real attention to listening to the question, answer, and you'll be a much more effective manager. Right. You I, can be more I, coach-like. I like that term, grunting. Uh, grunting <laughs> yeah. noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh-huh. the, mm-hmm. yeah, the technical term for that is sub-vocals. Nice. Yeah. There we go. Hmm. You, you, hmm. you uh-huh. elevated the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, so, so a question that's kind of direct is probably out of, out, out of bounds here. Like when you ask somebody like, well, why did you do that? 
So now this person immediately goes on the defensive, and they're going to go, am I going to give the right answer or the wrong answer? Did I do the right thing or the wrong thing? Yeah. So better way, like, better way to phrase that question where, you know, and, and it's like, like, so what were you thinking when you did that? No, no. That, exactly. But so what, this, is really, this is a great place to point, Chad, Yeah. because I think there are three different main words that people use to start questions. There's why, how, and what. Now, I try and avoid why questions for two reasons. The first is for the very one that you pointed to, which is unless you get the tone exactly right, it can be, feel like an accusatory question, like you're putting right. them on the defensive. You know, why the hell did you do that? The other thing that you want to avoid asking why questions on is sometimes you're asking why questions so you can find out more information so that you can then solve the problem for them. And at the essence of this book and the essence of our programs is actually to say you need to be a lazy coach. You need to stop leaping in and fixing things. You need to give them the chance to figure it out themselves. So that's why we try and avoid the why questions. The how questions are really useful, but only when you've moved into the what are the ideas, what's the action step. And I would say that most people, most of the people listening to this very show, rush to action way too quickly. Because they're like, oh, look, here's a way I can add value, here's a way I can offer up suggestion, here's a way I can guide my customer service rep to do something differently. I'm just trying to slow down the rush to action and advice giving. Right. Let's let the person, you know, let the person learn on their own, which this is great yeah. information. We're going to take a really short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about more questions, the right way to, to coach and mentor and manage great people. And I'm holding the book in my hand. It's called The Coaching Habit. Say less, ask more, and change the way you lead forever. The author is Michael Benge Stenier. And he is just, uh, got, I love the concepts and I love it. You you know what else? I, and 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 I know I'm going to inflate his ego a little bit, but I just love how crystal clear he is making this. It's simple. Now, simple doesn't mean easy, and I've been writing about that and talking about that recently. But I believe that the simplicity and the concepts here are relevant for anybody that's in any type of leadership management, regardless of it being customer service or not. We'll be right back. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.chefondemand.com. Once again, that's chefondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Michael Bengay Stenier, and we are talking about his new book, The Coaching Habit. And we've been talking about the three ways to start off questions, uh, two of which would probably cause defensive and perhaps even uncomfortable behavior when you're trying to coach and mentor somebody in a situation. And the other one was one that was allowing you to gather more information and help the person understand so one of the intriguing um, pieces in this book is like the best question what's the best coaching question because it sounds to me like you're all about the question I'm totally all about the question yeah and you know in the book and I love the point you made before the break which is how do we keep it simple and of course simple doesn't mean easy it can be quite difficult to move from wanting to give advice to being more curious but simplicity is one way that that becomes more easily. And we've just said, look, 
manager, leader, individual contributor, frontline rep, doesn't matter. Seven good questions will take you a long way to having more impact. And the question number two in the book is the best coaching question in the world. It is. I'm intrigued. <laughs> number, the way you remember this is it's got a simple acronym, A-W-E, just as you said. And so it's literally awesome, which is I love. Okay, and the best coaching question in the world is this, and what else? Now, Shep, you know, whenever I say this, I'm going to do this big leader, the big best coaching question in the world, and then I go, and it's and what else? You can almost hear a sigh of anticlimax ripple across the country. And everybody goes, oh, man, well, is that it? Is that all yeah. you got? Really? But, really? Exactly, but That's it? I'm going to tell question you mark. Why? <laughs> Let me tell you why this is the best coaching question in the world. It's got two parts to it. The first is, when you realize that the first answer somebody gives you is never their only answer, and it's rarely their best answer. But so many of us take the first answer and run with it as if that's it, that's all they've got. And what else just allows you to see what else is ticking along there. So you can imagine that this is powerful. You know, you're in that call with your frontline rep, and you go, okay, tough call. What was the real challenge here for you, do you think? Right, and what else was the real challenge? And what else was the real challenge? Or even if you are that frontline rep and you ask somebody, a customer, a question, follow up going, what else? What else could we do here? And you're going to get a deeper, richer conversation. But wow. the other secret source behind and what else is that it is a brilliant self-management tool. Because remember we've said we're trying to get people to move to the advice giving just a little more slowly, stay curious just a little bit longer. And that's the big habit that we're trying to break. And it's hard. But here's the thing. When you ask, and what else, it's the easiest way to avoid jumping to action and to stay curious. Because if you're asking the question, you're not giving an answer. And that's the other secret power of, and what else. Ah. Uh, and what else? <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I, 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 I couldn't, doing that. I couldn't yeah. resist. And so I'm sure I'm not the first one to have done that. So You may not be the first one. That's right. So uh, one of the questions it has to do with the uh, with human happiness. You know, the mm. question that gets to the heart of human happiness. <laughs> yeah, and again, I can make these big promises, don't I? But I tell you what, I think this question we call the foundation question because I think it is that foundational, that fundamental, that really does lie at the heart of how do you get happy? How do you help those around you be happy? And the question here again, all these questions are short, to the point. They all start with the word what. And the question here is, what do you want? What do you want? And, you know, I, I always call this the goldfish question, Chef, because when you ask this question, quite often you get that response where kind of people's eyes pop open a bit and their mouth makes that kind of guppy noise because it's hard for people to actually articulate what they want. And here's the way I, I often frame this. When things get tough for you, so when you're you're kind of caught up somehow, you're feeling angry or frustrated or sad or annoyed or whatever it is. And you're kind of in that swirl of emotion and you know you're not at your best when that's happening to you. One of the most powerful things you can do that will calm you down, settle down, get you kind of regrounded, is to ask yourself, what do I want here? What do I want here? And then to ask yourself, what do I think they really want here? And doing that, will just help everything calm down a little bit and kind of set you off for a more robust, helpful, less perhaps grating relationship than you've had up to that point. 
So I really think that question and what else, the foundation question, oh, sorry, the what do you want, that foundation question mm-hmm. can be a really powerful way to, to navigate through life. And, you know, it, it, when, the, when things are tough and you might set, set the person up with some good questions like this, I think the person you're working with, mentoring, helping, coaching, whatever, uh, they, they tend to let their guard down. And that's a good thing. I, I, I'm not, you're not yeah. manipulating that. It's the comfort level you create with these questions. And then you can ask a question that might be a little bit more direct. Uh, and right. so, you know, like, all right, so now if this happens again, what are you going to try and do? And now it yeah, becomes like it. a teaching opportunity. Um, and and I, I like the way it just kind of kind of segues in and, and moves in. Well, we're yeah, getting. Let me, build on what, let me build on what you're saying really quickly. Sure. Because we've talked about not only what are the good questions, but how to ask the questions well. I'm going to give people a phrase that's a really nice way to lead into any question, which makes it kind of easier for people to answer, and that's kind of a little less intense. And the phrase is simply out of curiosity. So it's just out of curiosity, what do you want? So it's just out of curiosity, what do you think you might do here? So it's just out of curiosity, what's the real challenge here for you? And it just makes it a lesser kind of, you know, succeed or fail when you get mm-hmm. the answer right. I get it. You know, and one of the notes that I have here are about, you know, so you're teaching these people or they're teaching themselves. You're helping them find their way to some new ways of thinking, new skills. And and this may be the last question we have time for. But uh, how do you get people to turn this this thought into a habit? Yeah, brilliant. So I love that you're ending here because habits are our building blocks of behavior change. We're trying to do things differently. You've got to understand how habits work. And there's a lot of rubbish out there about how to make good habits, like that whole one about do something for 21 days and it becomes a habit. That's just, a, that's just wrong. Somebody just made that up. It's completely wrong. <laughs> so in the book, and this is the very first chapter of the book, and it's that important, we talk about the new habit formula, a simple three-step formula to help construct a new behavior. And it draws on the work of people like Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit, and B.J. Fogg, who has a great website called tinyhabits.com. And here's the new habit formula. When this happens, so that's when you describe the trigger, the situation, the thing that kicks it all off. Instead of, that's where you define the old behavior. So you get really clear on what you want to stop doing. And then the third part, I will. And you define the new action to take place in 60 seconds or less. So let me give you a kind of just a, a human example. You know, right. you're trying to go for a run in the morning, and it's really hard because you wake up in the morning and it's just nice to lie in bed. So instead of going, I'm going to go for a run in the morning, now you go, when I wake up in the morning, instead of lying in bed, I'm going to stand up, put on my running shoes, and walk out the front door. Maybe some other clothes as well, but you know, get dressed and walk out the front door. Yeah, I would door. appreciate that. It's a much more <laughs> succinct habit, okay? Likewise, when you're thinking about coaching, you know, when I have my one-to-one with my customer service rep, instead of telling them what to do, going through the same old agenda, whatever it might be, I will ask them, what's the real challenge here for you? Or what's on your mind? Or what do you want? Any one of the seven great questions from the Coaching Habit book. Wow. Great information. Great information. So the name of the book, again, is The Coaching Habit. Say less, ask more, and change the way you lead forever. It's by Michael Benge Stanier, who is from Australia, now living in Canada. Uh, well worth the price of admission. I suggest you go out, do not pass go, do not collect $200 until you get this book. It is outstanding. Love the questions. Michael, thanks so much for being on the show. 
Jeff. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for hanging out with me. Well, you're awesome, or should I say you're amazing. And uh, everybody knows I love to end the show by saying the same thing at the end of every show. My name's Jeff Hyken. Thanks for listening, and always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.